I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed, and this particular episode of the Four Center podcast feed is the Clone Wars Report. Ah, yeah. Ah, what do we got? Yeah. <laughs> 
Normally, Ken does some music there, but he has now become clearly inspired by just the musical beauty that is O.C. Sobek's uh, Christopher Walken with a throat injury voice. That was bad. I apologize. That that should get me cut from Groundlings. Oh, wait, I already was cut from the Groundlings. Uh, that was horrible. That was horrible. But, uh, if it was horrible, how did I recognize it so immediately? That, oh, there you go. That There you go. Always look at the bright side of life. Thank you, sir. That's yeah, yeah. We'll talk about O.C. Sobek's beautiful, amazing voice, uh, voiced by the great James Arnold Taylor, of course, and beautifully, beautifully imitated uh, by Ken Napsok. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. We love doing this show. We love diving deep into the Clone Wars. We are almost at the end of season three this is the penultimate arc the episodes we're talking about today is the citadel hell that's what i'm calling it uh season three episode 18 the citadel written by matt machinovitz and directed by kyle dunlevy season three episode 19 counterattack written by matt machinovitz and directed by brian kalen o'connell and season three episode 20 citadel rescue once again written by matt machinovitz and directed by Stuart lee uh it was really fun to revisit these episodes did you just have a, a good time revisiting these ken i did i did i watched them you know we always watch episodes two three times unless in the mortis arc you watch them 17 times to try to understand it all uh, i i watched this really like uh, the moment that we I, we finished the mortis stuff i was watching these ones already which uh just spoke to like oh yeah let's get to this let's get to the fun and the pew 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 of the citadel yeah, no, there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of pew, 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 and there's a lot of hell <laughs> yeah, in, in a good way, I think. It's a, yeah. a, a fun hell. Yeah, there's so many things about this arc that I remember it was really fun to fill in the gaps uh, for the things that I don't remember all the time. Because uh, I, I thought this summary would be much shorter, Ken. But once again, hmm. <laughs> a decent amount happened. So are you ready for the summary? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Hyperspace route intrigue. Jedi Master Evan Peel, or Evan Peel, as they say in the episode, has successfully acquired the secrets to the Nexus route, a hyperspace lane that leads directly to both the Republic and Separatist home worlds. Before Peel can deliver the information, he and his crew are captured by the Separatists and brought to the deadly Citadel. Located on the half-destroyed volcanic world of Lolo Seyu, the Citadel was designed hundreds of years ago to hold Jedi who had lost their way. Now in the hands of the Separatists, the brutal warden, Osi Sobek, tortures Peel for the information. Obi-Wan Kenobi, Anakin Skywalker, and a crack team of clones are tasked with mounting a daring rescue. They are joined by R2-D2, who commands a trio of reprogrammed battle droids. And despite being told to stay behind, a defiant Ahsoka Tano also sneaks her way onto the mission. Landing at the Citadel, our heroes encounter multiple deadly traps. Clones perish, but the Jedi persist and rescue even Peel. The Lannic Jedi Master reveals he has only memorized half of the Nexus route secrets. The other half are known only to the leader of his crew, Captain Wilhoff. Tarkin. In a desperate attempt to escape, Obi-Wan and Anakin divide their forces. More clones die. Captain Tarkin criticizes pretty much everything, particularly the Jedi's refusal to be aggressive enough to achieve their objectives. Our heroes regroup at their escape shuttle, but it is under fire from Separatist forces. The ARC trooper Echo bravely attempts to take out the cannon, preventing their takeoff, but he is caught in a massive explosion and presumed dead. Put a big Star Wars pin in that death. 
The Jedi Council sends a fleet to the rescue, but first our heroes must fight their way through the barren volcanic landscape to a small island. Osi Sobek uh, releases deadly Anubas to track the Jedi. Distracted by fighting off a vicious crab droid, Jedi Master Even Peel is mauled by an Anuba. He entrusts Ahsoka with the vital Nexus route information before he passes away. After a brief ceremony to honor the fallen master, our heroes make it to the island. Osi Sobek intercepts Tarkin, ready to hurl him into the lava, but Ahsoka Tano arrives just in time to do what she must. She saves Tarkin and the Nexus route information by stabbing Sobek through the heart. Republic gunships sweep them all back to Coruscant, where Anakin and Obi-Wan are left to ponder the important question of the war. What will be lost if the Jedi continue to wage a war while honoring their code? The end for now. So there's the summary, Ken. That is beautiful, wonderful stuff. So much intrigue. <laughs> and uh, these episodes have a lot of fun things. And, and ba- I mean, you mentioned the Clone War death count is pretty high and brutal throughout this episode. But it's uh, it leads to some wonderful depth, which is why we're here. Yeah, a little bit of fun, death, and depth. <laughs> That's what we come to the Clone Wars for. So what is your overall reaction? Do you love this arc? Do you like it? Do you struggle with it? What's your big picture? Oh, man, I've always loved this one, plain and simple. I, I I wouldn't even say it's underrated. I think it gets its proper due. And, and I think a lot of that is just the real uh, in-your-face connections of, of Tarkin and, and the man who will become the monster Vader. I mean, it's all there for you to take in. And um, Look, I can't help but be honest and, and see these as uh, these episodes is a bit of a you know palate cleanse after the two previous uh, deeper arcs which are wonderful and i i think the night sister arc is is uh, equally as powerful in my in my soul uh, as the mortis stuff but a lot of deep thinking a lot of like ruminating going on there and this one just uh, wants you to do all the, d- the deep thinking but just like let's go for a fun star wars serial adventure ride connects to the big state of the war future of the galaxy ideas and and, and like like we keep saying it's just pretty damn exciting yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I really love this arc. I think it's always it always pops because they do a great job of raising the stakes of the Citadel and the, and Tarkin and mm-hmm. a Jedi Master actually dies. They start explaining all those uh, changed up seats between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> Uh, to see an actual Jedi Master die is a, a hell of a thing. So a lot of easy ways to remember this arc. Um, but some of the things that I really loved about it is I just think the design is great. It's just really beautiful, that half-destroyed volcanic planet. All of the yellow and purple contrast uh, is just makes this pop. It's got yellow and purple, uh, you know, complementary colors, not used as much as, say, blue and orange or red and green, uh, but really popular in, like, old pulp covers, old 40s, 50s uh, paperbacks that to create that sort of lurid look where one color is is kind of dark and brooding with the purple and one is just kind of glaring in your face with the yellow. So I just love that design. I love sitting in that for three episodes. Um, and I love that this is an, I feel like this is an arc that really embraces some of the tensions of Star Wars that we've been talking a lot about between the sort of the mythology and the adventure serial. And you keep calling this one fun and I, I think it is. Uh, because it does have this great, a lot of it is just adventure serial. They're just, they're getting attacked by <laughs> yeah. a, a prison and a prison planet and constant I- adventure. One problem leads into the other. But at the same time, I feel like the deaths are put under a focus. Like sometimes in a Clone Wars episode, it's it's a battle and a clone falls and it's like, ah, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah. This one, I think you are meant to feel it 
on purpose because it's on one hand, it's an adventure serial. And on the other hand, it's kind of this checkpoint for uh, the horror of the war, right? Yeah. Like it, it's not subtle. The war is and how the war should be fought is, is at stake. But the Citadel to me in this, these three episodes, uh, it, it's a kind of a purgatory. And for me, it's kind of started to feel like a metaphor for the war itself. Yeah. You know, Earlier episodes of the Clone Wars, the Jedi are certain that they can wrap this up quick. And we even see some Jedi make some kind of drastic choices to just try to put a button on it because they think they can. And now they're just in the middle of it and they're grinding through it and they kind of can't get through it. It's a maze of of moral tunnels and constant death and cost. And like that's all what's actually happening in this episode. Yeah, uh, I wrote down the note, the Citadel is life, man. Like, <laughs> But I love to connect <laughs> into the war, too. And, and that's why the, the, this, uh, the, there's this philosophy uh, deeply rooted in these episodes, for sure. Yeah, and, and each death, it just continues to build on uh, the kind of the brutal nature of it. And, and, and um, we've talked a lot in the past about sometimes even the Jedi have that, like, like you said, there goes another one. But uh, uh, and there's some fun funny awkwardly funny moments i thought would have to deal with one of those moments we'll talk about that but, <laughs> yes uh, there but, is but it's in your face yeah you're right along the way and this is uh in terms of death in terms of uh, peel's death it's um it's a it's a it's a great star wars death in a way like uh, what it means the purpose sacrifice but also how it makes you feel with that shot uh, of ahsoka coming out of the end with him so uh yeah i'm, I'm with you on that there the the purgatory of the clone war yeah, yeah, it's, it is not subtle about the cost of the war and is this worth it, right? Uh, the other thing for me is like um, in really watching this in the flow, uh, Night Sisters and Mortis are both these bold arcs that introduce these kind of new vistas of looking at the Star Wars galaxy and looking at the force and the balance between light and dark and all these things. And it uh, just kind of uh, aesthetically, visually, it introduces a lot of new things and uh, and you're right, it, they dive into kind of like the the depth and the soul and the mythology. What I really was fascinated to see in the Citadel arc is I feel like it very much pulls everything back to what is the main spine of story going through the Clone Wars animated series. Clone Wars is in some ways an anthology series, but it's got this spine. And I feel like a couple of those specific points are really touched on. One is uh, Ahsoka's growth. Uh, one is this central idea of can Anakin let go of his Padawan? Yoda is explicit in the Clone Wars movie that that's kind of the experiment of giving him a Padawan. They think he'll probably be a, a good, if unconventional, teacher. And the question is, will he be able to let go? That's what they're hoping to teach him by giving him a Padawan. We check in on that. Uh, and then also this big uh, spine of the story of not how did the Jedi fall, not how did Anakin fall, but how did the Republic, the government, become the Empire? And I think it touches on all those kind of major through-line stories of uh, the Clone Wars. Yeah, that's that's a great way to look at it. Uh, dare I say, like I said palate cleanse earlier, that's almost for myself. Uh, not that I, again, not that I don't love the Mortis Night Sisters arc, but yeah, a recentering. Uh, it's like when you wander too far off the Google map and you have to press <laughs> a little button to get back to where your car actually is. Uh, I like that. I like looking at it that way and it, and it works and, it, and it's, and it's, um, I think that's one of the reasons over, over time, uh, I've, I've always said I'd love this arc because uh, this is, uh, as advertised. I, I really like the, the, that point you made there. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it's been really fun on this rewatch to say like, okay, when, where are the foundation points to really buttress that 
those main uh, plot points, in particular Ahsoka's growth and the experiment of will this help Anakin or will this actually just make his issues worse? Um, So moving on to the morals of the episode, we got three episodes, so three morals. The first is adaptation is the key to survival. The second is anything that can go wrong will. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And the final is without honor, victory is hollow. Uh, So which of those three uh, spoke to you or any thoughts you wanted to share? Um, like I said before, Citadel's life, man, I really look at just these morals and we're going to dive into the themes and the, the, the connections. These morals are the, are, are real good, uh, uh, going through life one oh one type of uh, self-help. <laughs> I really think, uh, I looked at it that way of, uh, adaption is key to survival. That's, you know, growth versus stagnation. That's something that's always through Star Wars and it's always big. Uh, and, uh, how this episode starts with, um, Lines like Anakin saying to R2, R2, make sure they don't stray from the flight plan, that clones unsure of working with the droids, kind of uh, how that's a perspective they, without a doubt, uh, understand where, the, where they, they, why they have that, where that comes from, but uh, them not changing or struggling with the uh, adaption of, of what's going on just in their own careers and lives here. And then, uh, you know, I took anything that can go wrong. I, I looked at this idea of loosening up your grip on your path forward, which is interesting because we're going to focus on Anakin, who I think is is really good at going with the flow or making up as we go along. And, you know, this is what he does and he runs forward, but how it all still flows to what I think is one way that he wants to take everything, uh, the way I kind of viewed it. So anyways, those ones jumped out and without, without honor, victory is, is, uh, shallow, uh, or apparently as I put my notes, swallow, which is also, you know, true as well. Follow <laughs> with honor uh, as I choke. I'm often one who chokes on his food, so it's a lesson there for me too. Anyways, <laughs> powerful, powerful, simple, straightforward morals about how to move forward in life. Yeah, I think um, I think that this arc in general is got some beautiful things to it, but it is very much on the surface. It, it's the, what the plot is about, what the characters say. <laughs> uh, there's not a lot of subtext. It, it, it is what it is. Uh, I think in, in these morals really speak to some of the key ideas that we're going to talk about. Um, for me, uh, I think the one that I was affected by is the middle one of anything that can go wrong will. I just love looking at all the different morals put together because some of them are like these deep wisdom. Some of them are a little bit surface level. Some of them are really inspirational. <laughs> and I just like that this one is like, well, uh, this is just some hard knocks about life, kid. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. goes into the moral category of uh, suck it up, bucko. <laughs> you got to accept that things are gonna go wrong, you know. And I just like how direct it is. Anything that can go wrong will deal with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, lots of different kinds of advice in these morals. <laughs> try, try being a professional uh, podcaster in uh, Hollywood. Every day you're gonna have to adapt and let go of what you think's gonna happen tomorrow. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, because I'm kind of joking and obviously any what flows from anything that can go wrong will is so learn to adapt in in that's the moral of the first episode. Yeah. Adaptation is a key to survival. I just like that it's stated is just uh, blunt. It doesn't have that back half of anything that can go wrong will. So be ready to adjust like it's yeah. just it's missing that back half. So it's just like, 
<laughs> well, it's so life sucks. Stop yeah, whining. Somebody said it. So when I start always, you know, put, putting together my notes, I, I do go to Wikipedia. Then I go, I link to um, the old articles that uh, the wonderful Kristen Baver had done for StarWars.com, which is the episode guides. Those link to the featurettes. And I know you do the same thing as well, Joseph. I don't always have, I don't always have time to watch the featurettes. I didn't this week. So if something comes up, please, please let me know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get to see Stephen Stanton with hair. Hey, Stephen, love you. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but. She, she always, that's where I kind of write down the, the, the morals in one spot, right? If we're doing multiple arcs and I, I, I was like, did I wait, this is an old link. Is it wrong? Like the sentence, <laughs> the sentence just stopped there. So very funny that you pointed that out. Yeah. Anything that can go wrong will. I'm just, I'm going to put that inspirational uh, phrase under my pillow at night. <laughs> <laughs> Even sleeping can go wrong and it will. Uh, Anyway, let's move on because there are some uplifting messages, I think, or at least some really good things to think about uh, for you. Um, I think there are a couple of big ideas in this. I think we're probably both going to want to talk about the idea of, of adapting, right? Because that's so crystal clear. So maybe let's just go to that big idea first. Okay. Um, what, what are your thoughts about what this has to say about um adapting uh in its value uh you know how do you think that supported uh and what do you think is being really said uh one word growth right um and i guess you could take that in a lot of different spots in terms of uh, the jedi and all those kind of things uh uh this idea of ahsoka not supposed to be there we're going to get into what i believe uh, that you know says about fear-based attachment all the things related to anakin but i really love this idea of uh growth and being where you need to be and growing to match uh, the ever-changing uh, path in front of you. This is a life lesson for me. We can you know, not even talk about Clone Wars at this point. Um, uh, about everything that's come before is, is uh, led you to this this moment, and it's never going to be necessarily what you wanted, what you thought, what you you know planned out, and letting go of that. And 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 adaptation is nothing but growth to me. Some could see it as. Um, adapting is it maybe come back up on your principles and there's an interesting Tarkin quote I was even going to just ask you and toss it to you later <laughs> on but I'm going to make, bring it up now where where Tarkin um, in discussing stuff later on with Anakin and I stand with my principles no matter what on, on paper that's something I think you and I maybe many Star Wars people were like oh that's a good line yeah find your principles and stand strong but it's Tarkin. <laughs> and, and what does that say about just, uh, you know, being so rigid and, and, and uh, you, you, uh, you love, uh, you know, this concept of rigid and flowing in Star Wars, right? It's so there uh, all the time. So anyways, I start there. I start there with this big idea of what growth, ad- ad- adaption being growth and how important it is to f- just kind of let you loose, loosen that grip on what you think really needs to happen and what you're trying to do. Yeah, no, I think there are so many great thoughts there. I think with Tarkin, that um, rigidity that he shows, right, mm-hmm. of uh, make a plan, it will be good, stick to it. it. That obviously works for him a lot. But when he's like, I stick to my uh, beliefs no matter what, you know, smash cut to evacuate now in our moment of triumph. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. A little yeah. less rigidity and a little more imagination would have saved his life. Yeah, I, I wrote this. I wrote an essay on that. Um, no, <laughs> no, it's 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 so uh, almost to a point of comedy of, of right. Like there's so much of him along the way of just like plan B. <laughs> I'm just like, hey, there's your death right there, buddy. Yeah, I think for me, and, and this isn't necessarily um, super wrestled with in the episode. I think it's the sort of uh, the paths are opened up and then you can follow them. Uh, but it's something I think about a lot in uh, Star Wars storytelling, but also other storytelling about this 
that those kind of statements that sound good and sound right and sound heroic of stick to your convictions. Mm-hmm. And I think what Star Wars argues for is um, be flexible, be flowing, question your beliefs and your stances. And after questioning them, after looking at them from multiple points of view, if you are still certain, then plant your flag, <laughs> you know? And and I think that's good wisdom for myself for real life. I kind of think some, some of the best wisdom is that not every bit of wisdom is going to apply to every situation. Right. And I think that's like often the story of the Jedi when they wrestle with their inaction of that's them questioning their stance. And then it's often a younger character who brings the older characters who are having doubt and questioning things, bringing them back to like, yeah, but remember this basic stance of our conviction in our purpose is to be the light and to stand between uh, aggression and violence and people who don't have power. And it's easy to lose that conviction, but let's not lose that conviction. And that's like a tested conviction, right? Um, Unlike Tarkin, who just feels a little like rigid of like, I have my perspective from the way, I was raised. Yeah. It is it is correct. Everyone else is wrong and I don't I don't question my perspective. And you know, never mind we could get into how his perspective is, <laughs> especially as we learn from the Tarkin novel, but even without it his perspective is uh about power is everything, you know, and the most powerful should be uh putting their boot on the less powerful and everybody should get out of my way and if there's a problem just use more power, right? I mean, Mm-hmm. which he just expresses in this episode of like, if there is there a problem, attack it with the most force possible. <laughs> yeah. 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 But the, yeah. Strength in numbers is, uh, is something it's uh, yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting thing to tie to some of the bigger stuff. I, I I'm jumping all over the map, but uh, I, yeah, I just see Tarkin, his arms folded, right. The entire time. No, <laughs> this is just, nope. This is the way it is. Um, Tarkin, his arms folded. That's like the, uh, the, uh, the uh, Star Trek episode where everybody talks like that in parables. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I, I do think what you're talking about does come back to this big idea of adaptation, which is absolutely central to this arc, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that we see the characters constantly in a state where it, it wouldn't uh, help them to be rigid because the situations are changing around them constantly. Yeah. So they are firm in their conviction that uh, Master Peel needs to be rescued, that these... Um, that this nexus route is really important. You know, maybe the Jedi should be questioning those things more, but they aren't, but they are firm in those beliefs. And then they're saying like how we're going to accomplish those beliefs. We have to accept a little bit of the unknown and we have to adapt. Like, I think it starts from the very beginning where at the briefing, the Jedi are like, we only have very old records of the Citadel and we kind of have to accept that it's a crude map and it may not be right. And you might not have to change when you get there. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then, it, you know, Ahsoka wasn't planned to be there, but she's what they need to get through the ventilation ducts. You know, Anakin even challenges Tarkin and says, it's when things don't go as planned that we Jedi are at our best. Uh, right. One of the battle droids, the reprogrammed battle droids, when Obi-Wan isn't where he's supposed to be, the battle droids say we'll have to improvise. So droids are more flexible <laughs> than uh, yeah. Tarkin. Uh, you know, and, it, and to me, it just, it all builds to what Master Peel just directly says to Ahsoka of whether you were meant to be on this mission or not, you are now the most important part of it, you know, yeah. of really what you're saying. I think it, it, it's about the story of Star Wars. It's about the Jedi philosophy, but it is, uh, I think this real life lesson of, you know, you, you have to be 
it's about letting go of what you can't control too, right? And saying, I, I had planned my day to go this way, but these things that I cannot control change the nature of my day. So mm. I could be furious about it or I could just try to bulldoze through it or I could adapt to it and maybe see, uh, maybe some of these changes are a gift. Uh, maybe it's still a crisis, but I clearly can't go left anymore. So maybe I should be open to going right, you know? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Love all that stuff there. Uh, and, and cause I have this, this thought of, uh, and again, I'm not, I'm not even saying uh, to you now that I think this is hundred percent accurate of Anakin, but I, I wrote down the note of Anakin is great at adapting, but he can't let go of the idea of, of control in his life through ultimate, just complete victory. Um, and, and that, which speaks now to how you fight and the honor stuff starts coming into my head too with him, but how that rolls right into uh, Tarkin's kind of view of, of the end game and total annihilation victory, which leads to strength, you know, oppression through strength in numbers, and then also making sure your 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 enemies can't uh, unite, which is something the Rebel Alliance. Anyways, I just it was all interesting, layered from going from that, following Anakin's path forward and what he struggles with, and how sometimes what might be his strength could also be what hurts him. Yeah, no, and I think that's a really great story of Anakin and the way he is. One of the ways that he has fleshed out so beautifully in the Clone Wars animated series is that he is very flexible and very intuitive in from moment to moment in terms of like getting through a battle but he's extremely inflexible about the big picture things right and wants to make everything as simple as possible so if the goal is win this battle uh he is not moving from that but he's very intuitive within it yeah 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 i i i don't know why i just really focused on this idea of, of anakin just again i when i say complete victory that's kind of a control right complete annihilation or, or whatever it is and, and how you know you always say that anakin has that simplistic need to just be like let me fix it this is how we fix it <laughs> we wipe it all out and and uh life's gonna throw all these lessons at you of adaption and growth and and, and anakin doesn't necessarily see that winning is not always a mission it could be survival uh just moving on protection defense those big jedi concepts um, that he's often willing to lay down for his for what his concept of success and, and victory is, and how that just immediately, just immediately flows into Tarkin's ideas too. Uh, I think that was wonderfully uh, highlighted and dangerous for Anakin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, final thing for me on this big idea of adaptation, and you know, it flows into the other things we're going to talk about. But uh, I, I would really like that this uh, three episode arc. Um, a lot happens in the first episode. A lot happens in the third episode. Ideas happen in the second episode but it, it the, the second episode is fascinating because they do just feel kind of like stuck in the maze of the citadel you know yeah yeah you know coming together uh, splitting up coming together uh, more problems more problems so it makes in some ways there's a part of me that wants to go like eh, could this have been two episodes but mm -hmm. i think that second episode of just stuck in the different paths <laughs> yeah. uh it feels like a part of the point of this arc that the citadel itself becomes kind of this metaphor for uh, a situation in which you absolutely need to adapt of yeah. there's multiple paths through this incredibly difficult place and you have to be open to trying all these different paths to get to where you want to go uh, look, this is why I, I get upset when someone tells me Lord of the Rings films are just a bunch of people walking for th three movies. Funny joke. <laughs> I get it. But uh, we, it's a, it's the lessons on the journey, right? And yes, so I keeps going back to Citadel's life. You're talking about, uh, you know, analogy for the war that they're all stuck in. Yeah. And, and, and how it, it felt claustrophobic, right? And and at one point where there's like, we can't get out. <laughs> like, this is what it was built for. And Target's like, yeah, it was. It was kind of nice. Um, very beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I feel you on that second episode. 
Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it works for me on an uh, emotional level. It made me feel it. Uh, let's move on then to some other ideas. What did you feel like were some of the other big ideas of this arc? Um, I, I want to go back to this fear-based attachment stuff, beginning with with Anakin and, and just this holding back of uh, Ahsoka. Perhaps I have a, leg, a legit concern. I think there's some emotional canon connections to the Omega stuff with Hunter, right? Mm-hmm. Same vibe. Uh, we're even back then reviewing the Bad Batch where I was like, look, I'm going to defend Hunter a little bit. She's a 12-year-old girl, whatever he thinks at that point, kid, whatever you want to say. And, you know, Omega might be older and who knows, could he even be her mother? <laughs> you don't know yet. But even in, in that situation, Hunter's going to be like, this doesn't seem the right spot for you to be in. I understand where that comes from. But when you put that before uh, and, and and we talk about different versions of attachment or holding on, compassion, all those things, and, and just the fear-based one and how Anakin just is trying to control the situation and Ahsoka just pretty directly talks about her agency being removed and 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 this is not the the purpose of of his role as a teacher in her life and i thought it was great that was a great quote it's not for him to decide when and how i could put my life in danger that should be my choice and uh and i think that's a great way to look if even though it's tough a great way to look at parenting coaching mentoring whatever whatever it is uh um uh, sue laquain's a uh, very important line now that just keeps growing importance doesn't it from that <laughs> match just you know paraphrasing but kids they're gonna get hurt that's part of it. Yep. They're going to, they're going to take risks and you're supposed to be there for them. Yeah. I, I always think about this difference between fear and concern, right? There's like legitimate concern, right? If, you know, if you said to me, Hey, you know what? I think I'm going to record my podcast in the middle of the freeway. <laughs> that would be like, I would have legitimate concern for my friend. Right. Yeah. But if, but if I just got the vague sense that you were going to do something dangerous. So I tried to convince you to stay home. That's fear. Right. Yeah. Uh, and yep, they're going to a dangerous place. Maybe Anakin has a leg to stand on of this mission's a little bit too dangerous for you, but it feels like that it is Anakin being overprotective as, uh, Ahsoka says, okay. Mm-hmm. Ahsoka says to him, you're just being protective again. How am I supposed to learn if you won't let me share the risk? So there's a lot about agency, but I also just really feel like it's about really checking in on, on Ahsoka's journey, right? Mm-hmm. That, She's learned a lot of things from Anakin. She's learned, uh, they've bonded over, they're both really compassionate. They care about others and they don't want to leave people uh, behind. She says to him, paraphrasing, so I didn't write this quote down, about like, well, I've learned from you that maybe you, the rules aren't always, following the rules isn't always the best way to get things done. So she's gathering all of this uh, good um, mentorship from Anakin. Yeah. And then he is really like, kind of trying to control her and hold her back and not let her use the skills that he has has taught her so i think it's absolutely what you're saying about fear but i also just think that that so much of this arc is just checking in with ahsoka's journey of her pushing back and going yeah no thanks for all the teaching and help and i love you master but i want to make my own choices (laughs) you know and then we get to that point where tarkin doubts her and says you know i'm concerned that the jedi have elected this child to lead the group and it's really significant to me that Ahsoka ends up doing all of the important, valuable stuff at the end of the mission, right? She yep. gets the information and memorizes it and carries it and completes Master Peel's mission. And she is the one who saves Tarkin, doing exactly what he complained the Jedi were not willing to do. She just straight up murders O.C. Sobek because she's clear on she is saving Tarkin's life. She is saving the mission and this information right so yeah. I, I feel like it, it's also you know i wouldn't even call it a theme it's the plot <laughs> yeah, yeah it's the the narrative it's this is showing us how 
Ahsoka is taking the best from Anakin and how Ahsoka is on this path to be a, a sort of true and good Jedi making good choices of her own and building to the place where she makes the right choice for her seeing the dysfunction of the Jedi Council and walking away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Build, build into that. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love button up against uh, Anakin is just a large example, perhaps Jedi Order, uh, you know, on a small scale. Maybe. Yeah, no, I, I really uh, love that. And then the, the dangers of what she is picking up, you know, the connections to the Talmeric death. Uh, even I love Tarkin pointing out the, oh, you've trained her well. Like, uh-oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, but but a good, uh, a good uh, uh, Soka checking as you're calling it there. And you're right, from, from, from sneaking into the ventilation shaft to... Uh, to the kill at the end, uh, Ahsoka saves the day again. Yeah, it's part of the part of that adaptation theme of like, look, we didn't plan for her to be here, but now that she is, well, maybe that's a good thing, you know. So there's a lot of that, but it's also just really about Ahsoka kind of being on the right path. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you about the end because there's an interesting thing here where Ahsoka just admits to even or Evan Peel. That she's like, I lied to get on this mission. I wasn't supposed to be here, and and Peel really validates her. I'm like, yeah, stuff changes, yeah. <laughs> and you are now on the mission, and you're the most important part of it. Uh, so she says that she lied when she said that Plo Koon uh, told her to go on the mission, and then when Plo Koon gets confronted about it at the end of the episode, Plo Koon uh, validates her mm-hmm. and backs her up. So my question for you, Ken, is what do you think is going on with Plo Koon there? Obviously, he has a relationship with little Soka. He's the one who uh, found her and they have a bond. But what do you make of Jedi Master Plo Koon bending the rules by uh, backing up Ahsoka's lie? Uh, first of all, uh, to lie is to be human, right? Uh, another, <laughs> a potential Padme bit of advice. I love what you say. I think I go back to even to the beginning of the episode where Plo Koon is just like, oh, you and Anakin have a lot to talk about. Like, he's just gonna maybe cut. not my problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he's maybe gonna let Anakin see almost like to see where Anakin is uh, falling down on this. I, I, I think Plo Koon might have uh, a, a point of view of, of uh, she should be there. Uh, but how this is uh, maybe I don't want to say test for both of them, but just like almost like Plo Koon's like let let let's Anakin, let's see what Anakin comes up with. Let's see what he does. All right. He said she's not on the mission, but all right, we'll see how that goes. And so at the end, kind of uh, invalidating Ahsoka being there, uh, maybe washing away the lie a little bit, but it almost like uh, almost like he looks at Anakin and is like, huh? Huh? What do you think about that? You know, maybe let her on next time. Maybe uh, uh, consider more closely your actions as a mentor with her. Yeah. Or, you know, is it that, you know, that scene cuts away where she makes the argument to Plo Koon that she should be able to make the choice about Mm -hmm. whether or not she risks her life. And we don't hear what Plo Koon says, you know. So does Plo Koon feel like, well, by not saying anything, I was agreeing with her that it is her choice, you know. Yeah. Or, you know, there is that real explicit uh, conversation. I believe Plo Koon is still there when Ahsoka is telling Anakin I learned that, you know, bending the rules from you is sometimes a good thing. And it seems almost like Plo Koon's like, yes, every once in a while, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. bend the rules. Now, yeah. Now, look, this all changes. If Ahsoka dies two minutes into the mission, then, uh, well, then I'd love to go back and get Plo Koon's advice. But you know what? That's a what if we don't need to deal with. It sure is a what if. Absolutely. Uh, I- any other thoughts on uh, that element of the episode? Uh, no. 
Uh, cool. So last big idea that I wanted to talk about, and feel free to throw anything uh, that you want out as well, is I feel like, uh, especially that last moral, without honor, victory is hollow. Some of the explicit conversations uh, between Tarkin and Anakin and Anakin and Obi-Wan at the end of the whole arc. For me, like the big idea of this is how we fight, right? Uh, and it, that's what's really, it's checking in on the the Jedi's relationship to this war. For me, this is a little bit of getting into kind of how Tarkin is such a symbol of, remember, the Republic becomes the Empire. They don't get defeated. The Republic becomes the Empire. And some of these imperialistic ideas are already embedded uh, with our heroes, which really gets into all these ideas of not only this big Jedi picture of uh, not only what we do matters, but how we go about doing it matters. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, a couple of the ways that this is really highlighted uh, right at the beginning uh, when uh, Obi-Wan and, and Tarkin butt heads of, uh, you know, Obi-Wan wants to split up uh, the group. It's really, Obi-Wan is approaching this from the mission, the core of the mission, the heart of the mission is, you know, we need to get this Nexus root information back, or if not, we need to really make sure that the Separatists don't get it. So Obi-Wan, I think, really pursuing this in this, like, selfless, hey, if I don't make it, that's fine. <laughs> Got to split up. And Tarkin just wants to stick together, you know, and this is his superior force speech of, like, yeah. you know, uh, we we shall be a large hammer and hit them all like it's it's so you know aggressive um and then there's the the back and forth early back and forth with uh with Tarkin and in Anakin uh Tarkin saying I reserve my trust for those who take action General Skywalker really really fighting for this idea of ag- everything should be aggressive that's the way it works and uh, Tarkin also really expresses this uh, lack of faith in the Jedi based on how they are conducting the war. He says, I find their tactics ineffective. The Jedi code prevents them from going far enough to achieve victory, to do whatever it takes to win. The very reason peacekeepers should not be leading a war. Anakin kind of agrees. I've also found that we sometimes fall short of victory because of our methods. Um, so th- there's this huge idea that that's really laid out explicitly uh, between the debates of how to handle what's actually going on uh, in the Citadel escape, in the general picture of the war. Uh, we already talked a little bit about how Ahsoka kind of has this interesting demonstration of like, we don't always hold back. Sometimes when we do what we absolutely must by, you know, killing Osi Sobek, and then all of it really just gets framed by these final bits of dialogue between Anakin and uh, uh, Obi-Wan, where Anakin says, if we aren't willing to do what it takes to win, we risk lose- losing everything we try to protect. And Obi-Wan says, unfortunately, war tends to distort our point of view. If we sacrifice our code, even for victory, we may lose that which is most important, our honor. So I feel like for me, this big picture discussion is the Jedi are willing to wage this war, but they're still going to try to wage it from a perspective of ultimately what we're doing is defending the Republic from the Separatists, which means we kind of got of a attack the separatists to stop them but we're going to try to keep everything from the perspective of defense even though tactically sometimes we have to be aggressive uh and you've got the sort of Tarkin and anakin perspective of like it's a war our goal is to crush the enemy and we shouldn't let anything hold us back from that yeah i put yes this is great i put down the note the republic now the empire then uh and how it all flows into that and i love connecting this stuff too to any conversations around andor Sagarera, just the upstart rebels what's the cost what is it all worth it uh, for andor it's a different view on it but saw that quote from saw the empire considers both of us criminals at least i act like one which sounds really cool i kind of get it 
but then also what does that lead to your uh, we know with saw so yeah to see that all flow out of this this concept of honor which comes up a lot in star wars right which we, we it's that's why it's a big theme an important theme and uh, uh and again going to this idea of complete victory for anakin i always go back to that of just like what that means to him versus everyone else yeah and I think for me, it really gets into like the heart of, you know, that little bit of, ooh, Tarkin says the very reason peacekeepers should not be leading a war. Like, mm-hmm. uh, we don't want to agree with Tarkin in the big picture because Tarkin's uh, perspective is everything should be aggression and mm-hmm. power is all that matters. And I have power and I should use it and I should be the leader. <laughs> yeah. uh, but then there's that part where you're like, ooh, the reason peacekeepers should not be leading a war. That is the story of of the Jedi in the Clone Wars, right? They shouldn't be leading this war. They are taking a kind of half measure that they've been duped into. And Obi-Wan, I think, being the sort of the company Jedi, uh, not that he doesn't question things, is really saying, like, I think we can do this. I think we can ride the line. I think we can, in our interactions, do what we must, uh, but still follow our code and not uh, give in to violence or anger or is in many times as possible in these battles come at them from a defensive perspective. Uh, and that is noble, but we see as the Clone Wars go on, it, it isn't effective, right? It, it plays into the Sith's hands and it lets them prolong the war. Yeah. It's whittling down uh, who they are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And to see, and then even to tie it in with, again, to, to analyze Ahsoka's actions at the end, uh, I would argue, uh, you know, point to Ahsoka, but, the bigger picture you got when you make Tarkin happy, I worry. Right. Right. But in the sort of the Jedi code, right. I mean, she yeah. is, she's saving Save Tarkin. Him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, okay. Maybe she could have tried to cut off his legs, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but it is, it is a definitive action and there's a lot of great storytelling, even in the high Republic with that. And um, many other places where once a Jedi has decided like, well, unfortunately I've given you every option mm-hmm. uh, out Unfortunately, in order to defend others, I need to take you out. But it's also important to do it from a place of uh, I'm very I'm very calm about this. I'm very clear. It's defense. It's not rage. <laughs> it's not yep. it's not a desire for power. And maybe that's what's really at, at play mm-hmm. is it feels like Anakin wants to unleash not just to win the war because that's tactically sound. It's mm-hmm. because he wants to unleash everything and he wants to feel that control that you're talking about. And mm-hmm. that's what, you know, even more than sort of uh, nitpicking could have Ahsoka cut off his legs. <laughs> right. It's more about that. What's in your heart when you take this action? Cause that's going to determine your next action. I, I, yeah, no, I, I think intention. I think that's, that's where we, we where would, I would fall in this. Cause I would say, I, I think Ahsoka did right here, but again, uh, what does she do tomorrow? Right. When she says this choice again, is she going to analyze it? Is she going to uh, do what you're talking about? What they highlight so well in the high Republic of, of each death, each life uh, a Jedi takes uh, hurts them in a way, right? It, it sticks with them. They they feel it. They know it. It's not not a, a light decision. Uh, I don't know if uh, if if Anakin had taken that shot here in this episode. Uh, we know we did the Telmeric one earlier too, but like it might have been a high five. And let's get a, <laughs> get a drink. Yeah, you get the sense that Ahsoka probably thinks about that and weighs that, and Anakin wouldn't. He would have just hey, I, he had to die. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, any other big picture themes or ideas or, or more thoughts on, on this one? Uh, no, 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 uh, no, no, absolutely. No, we can, uh, we can tie it into the big picture too. 
Awesome. Let's talk the big picture. We can kind of drifted into it already, but let's talk about how the ideas in this arc reflect larger story, morality, perspective of Star Wars. What do you have for that? So I'm going to go to this one first. There's, there's still probably some more stuff to talk about uh, the Republic and the Jedi and their relationship, which is sometimes a little uh, tense. Uh, I love this idea of this. You, you t- again, going Citadel's life, man. I'm going to get that. I'm going to get that T-shirt because I say it a lot here in this episode. Uh, but this idea of the this episode is a continued just rollout of choices, and, and, and you and I love talking destiny and choices and, and all that kind of stuff. And and um, you know, plan often often represents one set of pre-selected choices. But destiny is going to keep giving you a lot more, and that's how you learn more about yourself with each choice you make. And I think every time this fun, this fun of this episode is this totally like, well, we got here. We can't take, uh, we can't take jet jetpacks. We can't even take. We got to climb, and then you got more choices and more actions and more lefts and rights to go. Uh, I think that's just uh, Star Wars putting um, putting it all in a nutshell for us here. Of uh, how, how do you survive this? How do you get out? What is the goal? And how do you want to do it? Because uh, you are you are going to continue to have and then want to have choices and once you make a choice this is what i was going saying with the a little bit great you just stabbed sub subject in the back uh with the lightsaber and and, and save the day what are you going to do tomorrow with that choice and how do you build on the choices and i think this ties into some big things in life and bad things can happen to you and though you are justified in your feelings and your anger and your rage toward those bad things how you deal with it and carry that forward is the next choice you're going to have and the next choice the next choice and i just love star wars kind of putting it all into one wonderful little fun uh, uh, and brutal arc. Yeah, yeah. And I think we're going to get a little bit uh, next episode from uh, what Ahsoka does next, which is really fun. Um, so for me, some of the, the big picture stuff, I, I do think it really does tie into Anakin's need uh, to keep things simple and direct uh, and fixable. Uh, obviously, he is very intuitive and um, able to adapt uh, beat to beat in a battle. <laughs> Uh, but in the big picture, you know, he, he is still kind of really demonstrating the, uh, if it's a friend, save it. If it's an enemy, kill it, period. And everybody's a friend and an enemy and there isn't, you know, much, uh, gray area. And even when he expresses to Obi-Wan that he's kind of, he thinks Tarkin's got some great points and says, you know, the Jedi code doesn't, doesn't let us achieve victory. Obi-Wan says to him a rather simple point of view. Yeah. (laughs) Not only a classic Obi-Wan line, but kind of challenging that perspective of Anakin who's wanting to keep things really, really simple. There are the good guys and the bad guys and uh, save the good guys, no matter what, kill the bad guys, period. As you're talking, I'm thinking of uh, some attack of the clones conversations with Anakin and Obi-Wan when, you know, they're, they're here to guard Padme and, uh, Anakin's like, well, it's implied that we're going to go find out who did this and kill them. Right. (laughs) Come Come on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and Obi Wan is always open to those points of view, except for when he has made his choice, which he does sometimes. Uh, we talked a lot about this kind of the Jedi's half measure approach. The the war, I think, that does pop up a lot in individual uh, Clone Wars episodes where we see sort of demonstrations of that. We see Anakin pushing back on that, and sometimes Anakin achieve, achieves a result, uh, but clearly does some damage to his soul along the way. Um, like uh, when he needs to rescue uh, Ahsoka in the Brainworms arc and just straight up tortures somebody and manages to hide it from everyone, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so so we definitely see some examples of what is lost. Uh, but then also we see the big picture of the Jedi's sort of half-measure approach to this war uh, only ends up serving Palpatine. Um, and then I, I really like that there's just that beat, that reminder at the end that there is this great tension between the Jedi Council and the... Mm in Palpatine's Republic soon to be empire mm-hmm. where uh, the, this great uh, idea that master Peel has of splitting up the codes 
ends up being this source of tension when Tarkin's like, I will only give them to Palpatine. Yeah. <laughs> and Ahsoka's like, I was told by Master Peel to only give them to Jedi Council. And it's, it's kind of not resolved. It's just Yoda says like, well, I'll go talk to Palpatine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just the taste great, less filling argument in Star Wars right here. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I wrote this note of the Jedi versus the Republic at the very end. And what, it, and, you know, Palpatine, when we say the Republic, but uh, uh, absolutely, um, absolutely important to note. And there was this... Uh, Version of the ending. This is something that I did pick up in the featurette. Uh, that uh, they had they had this idea of Tarkin uh, is the one that uh, sh- uh, killed, uh, shot uh, uh, um, our guy Sobchak in the back, and it was kind of this example of the Republic will do anything to win, and and the, and, and the Jedi see it. But Lucas nixed it because he said he thought it made the Jedi, Jedi look really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> They're just all there in front of them. Uh, and I like this change. I like it. I like how it means more for Ahsoka, which is an overall important thing to the Clone Wars. And then how it kind of now Jedi are still dealing with this and no one can go. Hey, remember when Tarkin did that? Now, yeah, you're right. Uh, no, now it just has this. It's this layered stuff there. So I really like that ending. And, and uh, that was a good choice by that guy named George. Yeah, great choice, George. Yeah, because I also think that, that especially when you listen to some of the things that Lucas says, I don't think Lucas uh it doesn't appear to me from his storytelling that Lucas is advocating inaction from the Jedi, right? He's mm-hmm. advocating the best choices <laughs> if possible, mm-hmm. but I don't think he's ever really advocating just don't do anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, to, so to see Ahsoka manage to take the action, but seem to take the action in a way that isn't corruptive to, to her soul is powerful. Yeah, well, and 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 this idea of, of of power you hear of you know think of all the things George always says and those clips that that sneak out and go viral and viral again like they're all brand new of just like that greed and the power and yeah and 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 you, you get that sense that if when Anakin does this kind of stuff that is another uh, another notch on the power belt he ain't ready to give up he's only ready to build on which works very nicely from someone like Tarkin who's all about strength and numbers. Uh, which also means separating any opposition from having their own numbers and just, you know, it, it so you can, you start to see that dark path start to form. Yeah, absolutely. Final thing for me uh, that it was just fun to watch this and see it, it's so easy to focus on Tarkin's criticism of Ahsoka, to focus on the, the literal handshake between uh, mm-hmm. future Moff and future Sith, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, to see like that relationship between Tarkin and Vader is such a big deal in A New Hope and to see the beginnings of that uh, is really powerful but then for me it's easy to forget like yeah but Tarkin and Obi-Wan butt heads a lot and then you go to that line in A New Hope uh, where Tarkin's like Obi-Wan he must be dead by now <laughs> like, I remember like they interacted and Tarkin did not think much of Obi-Wan yeah. at all yeah yeah that would have been awesome yeah let's let's re let's remake episode four with some new lines about Tuh! Remember him on the Citadel? Oh, he was a stupid, dumb, dumb. <laughs> Terrible plans. He would have died without you. <laughs> All right. Uh, unless you have any other thoughts, let's take a quick break, and then we'll get back into some of the fun details of the Citadel arc. Oh, great stuff. Let's roll on. Let's adapt and roll on. <laughs> adapt and roll on. We'll be right back. Please adapt to this message. Hmm. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And we are back to finish our discussion of the big arc of the Citadel. Is it purgatory? Is it life? Is it just a big prison on a volcano planet? You decide. We're going to talk some favorite action moments. This is a good adventure serial arc. Ken, what were some of your favorite action moments? Yeah, there's there's a lot if you like droid uh, droids uh, dying and, and clones being cut in two. Uh, I I just start with the uh, the free uh, the free climb uh, scene where they're they're the have to climb that wall and just great tension. I also have such a fear of falling in my life from heights. 
which I guess technically means I have a fear of heights, but I, I like being high up. I like vistas that I l- can look out on the valley down below. Ah, uh, wake up in a cold sweat from dreams of falling. Uh, who, who, who enjoys falling? Um, so this is a lot of tension for me and it's wonderfully visual, uh, which I also include that, uh, droidica just popping out and, you know, eh, just patrolling, just popping out. What's going on out here? Nothing. All right. Uh, the whole sequence was uh, fun for me. Yeah, no, that was the first one I wrote down too of the, the aesthetics of it are just beautiful. And it's just a great adventure serial of like, what do our heroes have to do? Free climb a rock wall, avoiding electro mines that shoot out purple lightning is just great. And then it, it builds to that great tension of the, the first death charger. Mm. Falling into an electro mine. Very, mm. very sad. Rest in peace, Charger. Charger. Uh, yeah, so that one was great. Uh, what was next for you? Uh, there, there's uh, one point where the uh, the security droids, the commando kind of droids pop in there, and uh, they enter the battle like gymnasts. Like they all like, <laughs> flip in there and do, you know, somersaults. And it was uh, both uh, beautiful and flowing and also unintentionally uh, comedic for me as well. But I just like that. It was a... In terms of, you know, is, is it Maul uh, enter, entering the battle of Phantom Menace, those doors opening in the music queue? No, but it's also a great entry into a battle. Yeah, the commando droids are so great. Those mm-hmm. They're so terrifying. It, they're well designed to understand why they're a little bit uh, tougher for the Jedi to deal with. Yeah. Not too tough once the Jedi close ranks in that, but um, all the bendy, twisty, yeah, yeah. they're, they're <laughs> 10-point Olympic landings <laughs> are hilarious. I really love the magnetized hallway battle. Um Yes. Like, great that it uh, pulls the weapons away. That makes sense. And then I, in this arc that is dealing with Anakin, I love the twist that, you know, his arm, if you want to take that as a, as a symbol of his, uh, his aggression, uh, <laughs> gets him stuck to the wall and is shocked. And then I love when they are trying to force push the commando droids and they're only half pushed over. And it's more about of like, <laughs> keep them pushed over so they can't shoot us. Uh, it's so great. Yeah, there's a great, I love when uh, even Peel and Kenobi kind of look at you and they're like, double push? Yeah, double push. <laughs> yeah. And in that little battle, when they uh, when they get the when Anakin uh, hacks something in the ceiling to turn off the mm-hmm. uh, magnetized effect, uh, there's some just great quick hacking of the droids. But Obi Wan does this behind the backstab, which he's got one in the Phantom Menace, and that was featured in the video game for the PS One called Jedi Power Battles, mm. and it was a complicated Mortal Kombat like hit these eight buttons. I played that video game for hours just trying to line up a behind-the-back Obi-Wan Kenobi stab because I thought it was so cool. And every once in a while, I'd line it up perfectly. And a lot of times, you just miss by just a little bit. So it just looked like Obi-Wan Kenobi was dancing. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to shout that out because it's one of my favorite Obi-Wan moves. and It was really cool to see it here. Love it. Love it. Uh, I enjoyed there's a moment in that uh, one of those hallway battles there where a clone just kind of says enough and shoulder tackles a security droid, commando droid. Just like, <laughs> it's a great little sound effect. Great moment. Yeah, absolutely great. Um, I think this might be the uh, this thing you were talking about when the commander. This is, I think, in the second episode when the commander droids have their shields, which are really cool. Uh, there's one I- image of them suddenly appearing in the tunnels and a lot of hopping with shields. And it's yes. just it was funny and scary. 
Yeah. Yeah. Just very, yeah. yeah it, was, it was like, they're part of the oceans 11 team to get into a casino. They're just, they're just great gymnasts just kind of flowing in. Just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, another one for me is, a uh, not a specific moment, but a culmination of the sheer amount of Jedi jumping on, uh, staps, <laughs> the single trooper aerial platform, uh, kicking one off, taking the stap, and then shooting down or stabbing the others on stabs. You would think at some point, like uh, Anakin did this in the Clone Wars movie, you would think at some point the Separatists would kind of look at some of their battle records and go, we just we just shouldn't send those into battle against Jedi. Yeah. They just kick a droid off and, and take it. Yeah, seems pretty easy. I, I just wrote stab action with many exclamation points all the way through it. <laughs> good stabbing, good jumping, good leaving. But yeah, you're right. One of those... Uh, you know, I guess the, even the battle droids themselves, not super effective over time uh, in some of our big battles in Star Wars. But uh, the staps are cool, though. They sound cool. They look cool. I loved them in the trailer for Phantom Menace, but um, maybe I wouldn't fight. with them. Yeah, no, they're clearly not effective against Jedi. Uh, I think there's one moment where uh, Master Peel jumps on Anakin's shoulders. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Uh, I have one more action moment. Uh, do you have more? Uh, I just have some general ones about... Um, Echo's act of bravery, the droids themselves that are working with R2, they have a great moment of bravery and it's kind of sad in some way. Uh, so some of that kind of stuff. Oh, R2 shocks one of the commando droids. I thought that was cool. Oh, yeah, that was nice. And I do like the sad battle droid moment where they come up with a great plan of like, hold them off. It's like, it's three B1 battle droids. <laughs> Against like crab droids and commando droids and staps, and I think B2 battle droids, and like they're just a meat, they're so brave and they yeah. just immediately die. Yeah, absolutely. Sad. Um, uh, last one for me is, uh, the Anuba tearing up even peel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I didn't super enjoy some of the action beats with the Anuba. You know, we've talked about it a lot of, um, Star Wars is ongoing and changing relationship with, uh, violence against animals, the, the creatures of the galaxy, mm. uh, so maybe we'll talk about that later, but I really did like, I think that's so such a big deal of this episode to see a master die, right? That oh. the cost of the war isn't just clones. It is a, a master of on the council, right? Yeah. Um, and that it isn't this like kind of amazing thing where, you know, it's not like Kanan, like Kanan, great that he, it, he right. should go out with such honor, right? But it's, mm -hmm. it's such a beautiful emotional moment. It's such a choice. It's like, uh, Master Peel is just busy taking care of a crab droid and gets mauled by a vicious animal because yes. he's just not on top of it, right? And it 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 takes the Jedi down a notch. I can see maybe some fans not thinking a Jedi shouldn't be able to go out like that, but it it, it does kind of speak to the limits of their their power. And I like seeing that they can die a lot of ways. And it's just it's just brutal. You just feel it. Yeah, now, a lot of brutality all through this. I mean, subject assass uh, you know assassinated, murdering that droid, uh, that clone. Excuse me, just shooting him in the head and all this stuff. Yeah, mm, so yeah. It, it keeps in line with it. And 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 this episode has a lot of high stakes. They, they keep talking about kind of the fate of the war. Whoever gets these hyperspace routes, there's high stakes that will start controlling the war. And so I think this is just simply one of those. Hey. Don't forget, people can go just because you might have uh, loved them from Phantom Menace and thought they were Yoda's cousin. No, no, they, they can die. Yeah, yeah. So you you liked the death of uh, Master Peel? I, I do. It, it's always effective, and, and and just the the just the image of uh, um, it's really sad. And when Obi Wan's like, "Oh no," and like you know, Soka comes walking with him draped over her shoulder, and Anakin takes him. Like uh, and again, in terms of Star Wars deaths, it, it's one that you you can. Um, 
you can remember and and, and kind of cut steep. Uh, and it's great. Any great great is these three episodes to kind of come back and have a have a moment in the sun for for Star Wars fans. But no, I think it absolutely works. Yeah, yeah, and just yeah, canon wise, it's just really fun to see. Uh, any other action moments before for well, you before we move on? I just yeah, one final one. And it is Evan Peel. Uh, there's a great moment where he slices a crab droid. And he like leaps over it and then goes underneath and uh, he slices in two with his lightsaber, but slowly, like there's some tension and like he has to like force it through. Like he's trying to open up a package. Uh, I really, it's like he's trying to get to the CD player, like our CD that he bought at Best Buy. He's like, I got it. Uh, and I just, I, I really like that. And one of those uh, good moments to see uh, Evan Peel in action. Yeah. I, I want to make a special version of that where it's like a pinata and some candy comes out. So <laughs> exactly. Master Peel gets something for it. Uh, rest in peace, Master Peel. Uh, let's move on then to moments of comedy, whimsy, and weirdness. Uh, there are definitely some comedy beats, but a lot of the things that made me laugh are a little bit more uh, dark, wry irony. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, the first thing that made me laugh in the first episode is, I believe it is uh, Fives, the clone Fives, who says about the B-1 battle droids, we're trusting those droids to get us into the Citadel. <laughs> Which for me is just kind of a nice payoff of the this weird... Uh, role that the battle droids play where every once in a while we see them as these ominous overwhelming terrors that you know shoot down clones uh but often they're these hapless comedy droids so it's fun to see that from five's perspective of like those idiots <laughs> well yeah yeah and I, and I said earlier you know they're maybe overall ineffective but we also know that you know they they do they do do some damage over the course of the war that's why they're still kind of a threat but i love uh i love what you're saying there and just again going to with the big theme of like yeah yep you're gonna have to be friends with them you have to make it work yep you're gonna have to adapt to these idiots and they're portrayed as so brave and resourceful and yeah. ready to adapt themselves uh what are what are some moments for you well i just uh i didn't write any quotes but just the whole scene with like 3po really being put out by r2 having droids under his command like he just like <laughs> jealousy professional jealousy friendship i don't know a lot of things that work there with their relationship but uh i, I love that moment r2 just kind of acting as always like well yeah i'm r2 i'm serving drinks i'm commanding droids what do you got <laughs> i'm on top of things i, I got yeah. places to go Let, let's do this 3po yeah i like the the, the r2 behind you <laughs> like r2 doesn't know mm-hmm Mm -hmm. Very good worry wart stuff. Uh, classic Obi-Wan line when uh, I think I've seen people gift this and celebrate it. He is in conversation with somebody else and he breaks off mid conversation to get this dig in on Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> because it's uh, when uh, Ahsoka and Anakin are fighting about Ahsoka basically saying like you uh, have uh, encouraged me, demonstrated these behaviors and now you're not supporting me when I try to do them. And Obi-Wan breaks off from a conversation he's having <laughs> to get in the middle of it and see and say, I see Anakin's new teaching method is to do as I say, not as I do. See, the the, the true comedy that of that, of that moment, that line is what you're describing of him just being so like dropping everything that's going on to turn around and get that dig in. That's really <laughs> extra funny. He, he's like Carla on Cheers of like making an extra swing by Cliff to make a mean <laughs> joke and like. She hears an opportunity and she's got to get in there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've always thought that to me that it, it's never spoken, but to me, it just seems like an obvious uh, truth. So it's in my head canon of, you know, Obi-Wan obviously cares about Anakin, obviously thinks he's important and, and did his best, but I'm sure it was incredibly frustrating to try to be Anakin's master. Mm -hmm. And I think Obi-Wan is just like, oh, this is so great. 
to watch him get the kind of pushback from his Padawan that he gave me. Oh, I love it. He eats it for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) It's all you uh, grandparents out there watching your own adult kids have their own (laughs) children and just going, yep. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, uh, from there for myself, uh, I did go into some of the great, great uh, Master Peel lines. Uh, what do you got? Uh, one Kenobi one, I, uh, the, I, I must have carbon sickness because I can swear that's Ahsoka. Like, it's so just over the top of just like, you know, she's there. <laughs> but you got to get the fun. <laughs> You'd be right. But it follows that same uh, energy of like, uh, this is not my problem. This is Anakin's problem. <laughs> and I'm kind of enjoying relishing him yeah. having a problem. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, the even Evan Peel, uh, when he's being tortured and uh, it's one of my favorite things to rediscover about this arc. I forgot that he's got that voice. That's really, Mm. I think is really fun and fits the, the character of this uh, short, but ferocious and determined Jedi master. Right. Mm -hmm. And right away, no droid will ever break me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This cracked me up. Yeah, the and I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm looking at the. It's a it's a a, a female voice actor that uh, voices him. Um, it is Blair Bess. Okay, um, but it also um, totally reminds me of my my uh, now late grandfather, just an old uh, crusty Russian. So well, I like the idea there. Yeah, yeah, and he's got some little colloquialisms later. Not like yeah. he is, uh, you know, necessarily exactly. Um, yeah, saying. Uh, uh, any specific, but he's got some kind of casual ways in which he he speaks, right? Yes, totally, totally. Wonderful character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So another one of his lines in that voice that is uh, Blair Bess is uh, according to the Voices dot com uh, is indeed a man. But uh, oh, interesting. Filoni said, so, "Okay, I'll watch that feature." He said something. Oh. He said something about a woman. Well, I could be totally wrong. I, I Googled Blair Bess and a picture of a gentleman came up. So. I mean, look, I'm going to trust Google over Filoni. One's not wearing a cowboy hat. So. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, I'm sure there's some Google doodle day where uh, Google is all, all cowboy, all, uh, cowboy hats. Yeah, there you go. They'll have a day to celebrate uh, Master Filoni, and then I'm sure it'll be all cowboy hats. Uh, I think you you alluded to this line earlier. There's a particularly grisly clone death where those security yeah. doors are closing and uh, clone is struggling yeah. to get through. We cut away and we hear the shunk. <laughs> and we hear Master Peel going, we lost one. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it is just, yeah, it's this, the, the Jedi and their relationship to the clones, he cares, he cares, and they got to move forward. He's doing everything right, but it is also just like, give him a name. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, just to back up, I also found Blair Bess's uh, Twitter feed, and, and again, it, it appears to be uh, this gentleman. This gentleman, there you go. Sorry, Blair. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, I, I think that the, we lost one is like dark comedy to me, uh, because mm-hmm. yeah, it's, that's a pretty dark thing to say. And there's just, I don't know, there's just something about his tone, uh, that suggests so much character, right? Cause we, mm-hmm. in the Clone Wars, uh, or in the, um, sequel, prequel, excuse me, prequel films, we just see him sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just- and now you got this picture, this character of like, it, it, is he like at a like you you can picture him at like a jedi event and he like he's brought like you know barbecued ronto ribs and they're real sloppy and he's talking about an itch he's developed in his groin from his robes like he just seems like 
That's so funny. We went to the same kind of scenario. I just picture him at that peace orb ceremony, like, are we going to watch this all day? I want to go eat my Ronto wraps that I brought. Is he holding? Oh, it's just a peace orb. <laughs> oh, don't drop it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just really love the character. It really yeah. entertained me. Uh, all right. Uh, other moments of a comedy whimsy or weirdness for you? Uh, you mentioned the line earlier, uh, but the highlight at uh, just that one droid going, uh-oh, that doesn't look like General Kenobi. We'll have to improvise. <laughs> uh, this uh, uh, Three stooges of droids here are very entertaining. Yeah, I love that. Um, I-, I love the line uh, from Obi-Wan on multiple levels of saying when he meets O.C. Sobek, I must say you're not at all what I pictured for someone with such a soft voice. Yeah. Uh, it's just a, it's a funny, good, snarky joke from Obi-Wan since O.C. Yeah. Sobek does not have a soft voice. And then, of course, the fact that uh, both of those characters uh, are voiced by the same actor is a yeah. little bit of meta comedy. Yeah, we love, we love meta comedy around these movies. Yeah. James Arnold Taylor gets to have multiple conversations with himself in this arc. It's true. Said <laughs> the voices Plokun, Obi Wan, and O.C. Sobek. That's true. Absolutely. Uh, another moment of O.C. Sobek comedy for me is uh, there's this kind of through line of uh, O.C. trying to put off calls from Count Dooku. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Dooku finally gets through, and he's like, Dooku's totally got that vibe of like, you will not leave my texts on red. You will respond. <laughs> uh, and uh, and O.C. says. Uh, I was hoping to surprise you with good news. And Dooku says, good news would indeed be a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sassy Dooku. Sassy Dooku in those jammies, right? Uh, Final one for me is the I see you've trained her well is a dark moment, but it kind of made me laugh almost in terms of like um, satire of Tarkin. Like uh, Ahsoka just saved his life. And instead of thanking her, he pivots to, you know, mm. her master, the man. I don't know. Yeah. It, there, there's something just that was something that's really just like anything Ahsoka does is, of course, Anakin's yep. victory is yep. so it's so crappy as to feel like a line of satire. It's, it's Tarkin being the Internet in 2011 and now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Any other moments for you? Uh, the, the, I enjoy the simple joke of everybody holding their nose at the sulfur smell. Just, uh, I just think, you know, a little stink humor in Star Wars every now and then. I guess I'm fine with that. Uh, I thought that was kind of fun in a silly way. Um, and you mentioned the, the, the subject stuff with the Dooku was great. And the fact that they added subject having an eye twitch, like he, it's like kind of the reverse, uh, <laughs> Dr. Clouseau's police chief, uh, eye twitch bit all through those movies, the Pink Panther movies. Uh, I enjoyed that as well, where it just kind of, it starts fluttering and gets a little worse as it goes on. Yeah. Yeah. This is great. Uh, obviously you don't need a lot of reminders that the separatists are, uh, vile and violent. It's a place of torture and fear. Uh, but just again, showing that like, there's no, there's no joy in this. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, all right, then let's move on to canon and lore connections to mm-hmm. other Star Wars stories. Uh, there's some big things here, uh, and there's a lot of little things, too. Um, so the Nexus route uh, I thought was interesting to discuss. Uh, it doesn't really get uh, brought up again in canon in any uh, really significant ways. Mm-hmm. It, it is sort of referenced in a background way, uh, but it doesn't become a major plot point. But I, I had two things I wanted to ask you about. Uh, when I was yeah. watching this and remembering that's what's at stake is a uh, hyperspace lane to get to the core of the Republic homeworlds or the Separatists. They even say it could lead to an attack on Coruscant. Uh, do you feel like the idea here is 
uh, Palpatine, through negotiations with Yoda, gets this information. And then when the time is right, he's just like, hey, Grievous, here's how you pop into <laughs> Coruscant to kidnap me. Yeah, 100%. And it, it just also highlights, if you want to get a little deeper, of just the idea of the Jedi are just, they're just, they've lost the war already and they just don't know it, right? Like, it's just, it's just, they're, they're behind the eight ball here. And yeah, I, I absolutely took it as that. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And then uh, it's interesting to me to see the sort of the mysteries and the unknowability and the secrets of hyperspace uh, to be really seated here in solidly George Lucas canon Star Wars and uh, then connect that back to this great moment we're in now where so much of the High Republic storytelling is based on these same kind of things mm -hmm. of like, Hyperspace is not entirely knowable. It needs to be pioneered. There are certain routes that everybody knows. There are other routes that might still even exist. All that kind of stuff. Uh, did you find yourself thinking about the High Republic when this is the the real MacGuffin of the episode? Yeah, I did. Because then you kind of also do that thing now where you kind of line it up. Like, is it, is it connecting? Is the High Republic tweaking any of this? And no. And that's part of the beauty of the High Republic not being so, you know, thousands of years ago. It's not too long ago. And, and how, and that... That makes sense. If, if you're looking at this episode, like this is this is the Clone Wars and they're still not sure how to get to every place. Like it, it tracks for me in, in, a, in a powerful way and a, in a fun way uh, uh, with the Republic. Yeah. And there's all it's it's uh, just fascinating to always think of all the new frontiers that Star Wars can explore and High Republic's really getting into exploring uh, hyperspace. But even with this, we start the story uh, with, uh, well, uh, Peel and Tarkin got it from somewhere, but like. Did they get it from a Nile survivor? <laughs> right. You know, did they discover it? Is this an old path uh, that they got from a, a Santeca descendant? Like, you know, who knows? Yeah. And, and, and we could have fun hearing that story. Yeah. And then we go to the Citadel itself. Uh, we get Anakin's line confirming it was created to hold Jedi, Jedi if any of us ever lost our way. Uh, the Citadel is also mentioned many, many places in canon. Uh, people reference it, uh, but there's no other big storytelling, uh, according to Wikipedia, that happens on the Citadel. Same thing with this uh, beautiful purple and yellow planet, Lola Seyu. Uh, any thoughts on the the background of the citadel or if you'd like to see it again i would like to see the background of citadel this is something you could absolutely toss into history and absolutely use again and absolutely see just like my my thoughts of um all right so what does that mean we're not talking about the lost 20 we're talking about our uh, jedi disciplined at one point where they like you're in detention you're going to the citadel was it made to draw what do they do to them do they do they torture their own jedi like, or they just sit, sit and think what you've done uh, I spiraled out into a lot of thoughts about the Citadel. So yes, give me uh, the Citadel coming to Disney plus soon. Yeah. I mean, the way it's set up in this episode, it seems like the Jedi haven't been using it officially in any way because they had mm -hmm. to use uh, older yeah. uh, data. Right. So it doesn't seem like they've visited it recently, but who knows? Like, but I can see, uh, I love how the high Republic is is expanding. Like the lost 20 are like people who are like, I officially renounce, I walk away. Right. Right. Uh, but obviously Jedi every once in a while kind of stumble and maybe dabble in the dark side a little bit, or, you know, maybe it's not even full dark side, but they're just disobeying <laughs> yeah. Jedi order. Right. Or, or somebody like Ty Yorick who walks away when they're young, but is, mm. you know, has a lot of the abilities and the trappings. Like is the Citadel somewhere where like, you need a timeout, Ty York. <laughs> Here you go. As it, you know, if Yoda says Liam the Shades and Liam says no, does he end up at the Citadel? That's, <laughs> That's I'm I'm going to guess no. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, that would be a great addition to Attack of the Clones. Like, now get this right, younglings. Or to the <laughs> Citadel, you will go. 
Uh, all right. Uh, Citadel, very cool. Happy to see it pop up again. Glad it's referenced in other places. Moving on to what could be, I think, a canon irritation for some people, carbon freezing. Is. Uh, so not only is this a thing that happens, uh, this uh, the idea is they know the Citadel will scan their ship for life forms, and Obi-Wan's like, hmm, we got to be ready for that. And Anakin's like, I got an idea. Uh, let's all carbon freeze ourselves. Uh, there's even an Ugnot there. There's the same beautiful sounds <laughs> involved. Uh, and then there's some extremely on-the-nose lines uh, where Fives is, uh, talks about uh, once he is carbon frozen, I don't want to end up a wall decoration. Right. Uh, Obi-Wan mentions carbon sickness, which implies that even for Obi-Wan, this isn't something that Anakin just made up, that this is a known thing that can happen to sentient beings. Mm-hmm. Uh so where do you sit with all this? Is this too on the nose? Does this mess anything up about Empire Strikes Back for you or the Mandalorian having just a carbon freezing chamber right there on his ship? Well, it's funny because you remember there's a little burble of this same conversation around Mando season one, right? Of uh, yeah. this. Uh, so the, again, going to the man with the cowboy hat. Uh, he spoke on this in this little feature that they have on stars.com and, and he uh, and, th- and those interviews are done a while ago now, probably about 10 years ago. So it'd be interesting to hear him talk about this even now. But how back then it was something he and Henry Gilroy wanted to do. And Filoni mentioned we were kind of fanboying about it, like and, and called the season early seasons of Clone Wars the fan years, uh, which is so funny. You, you, you know, you've been leading this tracking uh, the, the references to other Star Wars things and it starts to <laughs> get a little different as the show goes on. But he brought up a great point about this and how even then people are upset. And and he says, but how an empire does Vader say this facility is crude? That means he has something to compare it to. Uh, and just taking that alone, we thought it'd be fun to go explore that a little bit. And that's where I come down on it. What fun. Uh, it's fun. It's it's not it, the whole episode isn't a half hour of Anakin doing this or anyone doing it. It's just it's there and it's his plan. And you get it. And we talk often about a lot of, you know, impressive, most impressive or little lines. It, it That's still Anakin in there deep down. He's still got some function of him, former, his former self of catchphrases, sayings, habits. Does he like to do a crossword puzzle in the morning? Then so does Vader. It might still be. There. Yeah. And tactics. Tactics, uh, spinning ships, whatever you want to say. So, yeah, I think it all tracks. And I think it's just at the end of the day, it's fun. It's fun to hear those sounds. It's fun to see an Ugnot uh, controlling it. I'm there for it. Yeah, fun to see just the the iconic uh, uh, image of Obi-Wan Kenobi with that beard, that beautiful mm-hmm. beard frozen mm-hmm. in carbonite. Uh, well, I'm going to give myself an honorary cowboy hat because the crude facility line is what I was going to as well. There you go. <laughs> uh, because, yeah, that seems like what it is of like, yeah, uh, it, it seems like maybe some maybe the Lando, maybe he's kind of heard of this before or whatever, or, or he knows that this is you know, not rated <laughs> for yeah. organic beans or whatever. So with Vader saying crude facility, it seems like yeah. he's like, yeah, no, this isn't like the fancy ones we had at the Republic when I did it and felt perfectly safe about it. So yeah. Yeah. So uh, Skywalker could die. So we'll test it. It's funny. I mean, it's, it's definitely worth a watch because it's, it's Filoni has a real, like he, he says, so I think the exact quote is like, I don't know where that came from, from fans watching empire that that was the only time it's ever been done in the galaxy. He's like, I don't, absolutely where did you get that idea from like it's just this real like convention panel snark that he sometimes has (laughs) well i think yeah i think it's a thing that we all need to look out for as fans where sometimes we have this sort of primacy effect where Mm -hmm. when we first saw it that means it came first right yeah and you and i have encountered that even i don't think uh with hardcore star wars fans but sometimes with more casual star wars fans 
criticizing Yoda's uh, wars do not make one great line. Like, and then he's off there fighting in the war. And then you have to say like, hey, remember, remember he fought the war first. Like, I think there is just sometimes this instinct to have it. If we saw it there first, and that's where it happened first, Mm -hmm. unless it's not spelled out extremely clearly by the characters in that first encounter with something. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of first encounters with something, uh, we move on to the Anubas. Uh, This, uh, I believe, is the first appearance of the Anubas in the Clone Wars. Later, uh, one of my favorite bounty hunters, Embo, has an Anuba named Merrick. Can't wait to get to those episodes. Uh, Sabine also has uh, an image of one on her armor. Uh, Images of Anubas pop up other places as well. How are you feeling about the Anubas? I like the Anubas. A little little velociraptor, a little bit of uh, the wargs from uh, the the, the Lord of the Rings. Uh, I love it. I love a little dangerous. You know, we're always going down on the positive side of organic and nature in Star Wars, but give me a little dangerous organic uh, bean here i like it yeah no and clearly uh maybe maltreated or at least trained to be vicious by yeah. the vicious oc sobek yes uh so yeah so I, I thought they were effectively scary and it's always fun to see how one idea from star wars will echo out in different ways yeah and i don't yeah you're right to point out i i don't want to uh, uh you know it's, i don't want to pit bull these anubas not every uh you know it's how you how you race them how you breed them yeah exactly exactly uh moving on then to another big canon moment that will be even bigger in the future is echo's death yeah uh he is established we see him chatting with fives we see him on uh, or presumably it's fives talking uh but echo uh goes out in in a blaze of glory an explosion of glory there's that big turret that is making it impossible for them to get to the shuttle he rushes forward in an attempt to take down the turret uh, he does not make it. The turret blows up the shuttle and uh, Echo is consumed. It appears in flames. Then we see the shot of his helmet. Uh, for me, in this episode, it really is a... We've been naming clones as they go for a while. <laughs> Get a couple of names shouted out. Uh, Charger, Longshot, and then, uh, then a little less personal. <laughs> Beale says, we lost one. Uh, but this is one that the audience knows, right? Uh, and in that moment where the helmet really falls is a moment of cost to me. Mm. Yeah, it's a be- it's a tragically beautiful shot. Really love it there. Yeah, yeah. Five, fives, Rex, and Echo running around, and that, that carries weight. Yeah. So how how does it did it sit with you differently now that uh, of course uh, Echo comes back in the end of Clone Wars, and this is his big death moment where he is presumed dead and left behind, and then goes through. Uh, quite a long time of horrific torture yeah it, it absolutely sits uh different and it sits um it it, it cuts a little deeper i especially was one coming into the season seven of clone wars there's so many things going on in star wars and so many things you're reading and uh, you know so many things you're taking in and watching i kind of when, when when that bad batch arc in season seven happens and it's like i was like echo 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 oh that's right echoes like, yes i've met echo before uh just brain jumbled with too much star wars so now a little more clarity uh and it connects and it's uh, absolutely more powerful and tragic yeah yeah I, I, it is powerful to see that he was making this bold choice and you know trying to do something really dangerous uh to save the whole group it, it has some uh some weight uh with his journey that we get to see in the clone wars uh yeah. where he starts as just the rule follower and then he you know defends Camino and gets promoted and he is trying to be the best he can be and take a big risk for the team is yeah. give it some nice weight. Absolutely. 
Uh, and then, of course, we have the death of a Jedi Master, a seat emptied on the council. Uh, we already talked about kind of the nature of his death, but just sort of in terms of canon, uh, is it powerful for you to see a, a Jedi Council member die? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I talked about stakes earlier, but just again, um, um, a good use of this character. And I'm not, I'm not saying I'm, I'm happy he's dead, but you know what I mean? It's just like if you're going to bring this character back and you kind of tell a story and hey, maybe canonic, uh, canonically we need to have him removed by Revenge of the Sith. How are you going to do it? And this is an impactful use of the character, memorable use, and therefore uh, you can celebrate and mourn at the same time. Yeah, I, I think that's it for me. It's just from, I, I like everything with the character. I like the story that's told. I like the way he dies. Mm-hmm. I like the meaning of his death. Um, uh, I, I like his uh, strange, beautiful, uh, force-wielding kind of Viking funeral. Yeah. Uh, where they float him out to his uh, to travel along the river of lava. Um, but uh, I think for me, I also just, because I, I've always, since I first saw Phantom Menace, just been fascinated by the Jedi Council, want to memorize who's on it. (laughs) And there's a lot of change between Attack the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, which gives them a lot of room for storytelling. And uh, I would be happy seeing even more fates of specific uh, Jedi. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Final thing is, uh, there is a little brief space battle, which is real fun. Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of progress, the Jedi are still flying their Delta Seven uh, Aether sprites instead of their ETA two model Jedi Starfighters. Yep. Uh, and then uh, Sacy Tin is he's going into battle, and his Jedi star- Starfighter says there have not been battles like these since the days of the old Republic. Yeah. How did that sit with you? What What do you feel like he's saying? What do you think that means in in modern canon? Uh, I. Interesting. Well, now, now I'm right. Yeah. Well, I get, when you say old, old Republic, you could definitely tie it to High Republic pretty easily. I, I suppose there. I stopped myself from a, a canon, uh, a canon mess up. Um, but yeah, I took it as both him kind of admitting, well, this is fun, um, and two, just kind of the scenario and situation that they're in, the overall meaning of him, just like here, this is this is big, this is bad, and it's been a long time since we've had to do this kind of stuff for good reason. Yeah, I think there's also that seal bibble line of there hasn't been a full scale war since yeah. the formation of the Republic, right? Yeah. Um, but then we got things like High Republic, and there are a lot of big battles. Yeah. So, yeah. so for me, I really take it as this uh, there are two sides. You know, it isn't the Jedi fighting a scourge like the Drenger or the Nile or having a big battle. It is this is a war and we're on one side and they are on the other. And for me, it almost feels like uh, another moment to raise the stakes and another moment to kind of highlight, like, yeah, this is the choice the Jedi have made And like, I don't know if, if, uh, Stacey 10 has just like, (laughs) uh, not been out in the field a lot, but it almost seems personal. Like, Oh wow. I'm doing this. I'm engaging in a full scale war, Uh one giant army against another giant army. Well, yeah, again, this episode just has so much of that going on. Of We need these, these hyperspace routes to determine the future of the war. I mean, it it, it, it should be big, and that does kind of match it. And it, it, it's, it's, it's awkward in its own, you know, again, yeah, you're right. Like, you've been, have you been working in the kitchens the whole time? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, been in a lot of battles, right? Yeah. Right, right. But uh, great use of just the moment and what it means. Yeah, it's a nice heavy line for me. Was there anything, uh, any other canon that you wanted to discuss? Um. Uh, a fun reference. It's not intentional at all. I don't think, but but sub subject dealing with the uh, the slow the kind of the droid slow on the uptake of information when they're being breached, and him just kind of like 
yelling, get everything out there. Totally reminded of Krennic on Scarif going, deploy the garrison. Do you like not see what's <laughs> happening out there? Uh, these poor, these poor bad guy leaders always surrounded by uh, incompetent uh, folks. Um, but no, this one little one, uh, to the degree that was intentional, uh, I don't know, but I thought it was fun to see what you mentioned, the ma- magnetic hallway battle and Anakin's arm gets him stuck to the top to complete uh, that, that moment and get out of that sequence and save the, the day at that point in time, Anakin kind of has to willingly get electrocuted. And uh, I'm like, well, all right, hold on to that thought, Anakin. You might have to do that again uh, at the end of all days. So uh, I thought I, I, I just wanted to highlight that. Yeah, there are a couple different times in the Clone Wars where he gets violently shocked and you're like, you're, you're going you're gonna to discover the worst <laughs> kind of uh, shocked by electricity, finger electricity. Yeah. Yeah. Even worse. Yeah. No one Even worse. Yeah. Finger electrical shocks. <laughs> Only now at the end do you understand finger electricity. Um, yeah. So a lot of a lot of great canon connections and some kind of major stuff. So very fun to discuss. Was there anything you disliked or questioned in this arc? Uh, not for me personally. I thought uh, well-crafted episodes that just uh, scratch the itch of, of all the things uh, we love Star Wars for. Uh, and uh, I sometimes do like when episodes lean one way to another, but this one just kind of gave it all when you when you dig in like we have here today. Uh, it's uh, it's really fun, and, and uh, one of those, even from a distance, if you haven't watched The Clone Wars in a while, like you could jump into this one, or you might remember it in the back of your brain. It's a fun arc, and therefore uh, happy to celebrate it here today. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, I guess we didn't talk about uh, Tarkin. That's a pretty major canon thing. But uh, is there anything in particular about Tarkin that we haven't touched on that you wanted to? No, no. I, I we it, it, the connections are pretty uh, clear and, and prevalent throughout the episode, so it's there. But uh, again, a great use of hey, we needed an officer, and George suggests Tarkin, and then they carry it out. And this is one of the big early uh, early uh, jobs of Stephen Stanton in Star Wars. He does a wonderful job of not just impersonating Peter Cushing, but bringing a character to life and, and connecting that character. It's, a, it's an emotional canon connection more than just a straight canon connection. So, uh, again, great use of Captain Tarkin. And I remember watching this back in the day. I've just got it. It was one of those like, oh, no, here we go. And uh, uh, that is a part of the reason we're, we're showing up to this party. Yeah, I think the final thing for me to say on Tarkin is, uh, yeah, I was thrilled when he showed up and I thought it was so effective because, you know, eventually in Star Wars canon, we know like, hey, Wolfie Lauren ends up in the ISB and he's actually at the Death Star meeting. But when you're just watching Clone Wars, if you don't know that yet, you just see Yularen is like, well, he's one of the heroes, right? He's with the heroes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. you eventually realize that he joins, but then Tarkin, you're like, oh, yeah, it's just such a great visceral gut punch of remember mm. uh, the good guys are going to become the bad guys. And there's some bad guys uh, in their midst right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, I think that he's also that moment where he's being very strategic of kind of like uh, Anakin's like, you don't want to piss off yeah. <laughs> uh, Master Peel. That's not going to be good for your career. And he's like, uh the chancellor has already taken a liking to me is, you know, it, it's explicit, but it's also like just very clear. Also, it, it's one little line. It's from Tarkin's perspective, but it gives you that canon perspective mm-hmm. that we get in a lot of books of Palpatine knowing what he's going to do and cherry pick, picking like, yeah. ah, yeah, no, that guy's that person's uh, brutal. I'll be yeah. able to use them quite well in my new empire. Yeah, add them to my Rolodex. I also do love going back a bit uh, 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 to the comedy stuff, just Anakin and Tarkin kind of getting in a uh, chancellor clout off. <laughs> or just like who knows them better. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, but he's in my top eight on my <laughs> space space. Yeah, like there's a real, you're right, there is a real grudge match there. Yep, like, yep. I'm actually quite close to him as well. Yeah, love that. <laughs> but you're both going to be closer than you probably like, ultimately. Uh, going back to anything we disliked or questioned, um, we've talked about this on, on many episodes recently, so I don't want to belabor it, but, you know, Star Wars does have this evolving relationship with uh, how casual it is about animal slaughter. Um, and, the Anubis slaughter is in, in this moment right now, as we're analyzing that more, mm-hmm. that is a little difficult to watch. Um, mm, you know, yeah. obviously the heroes are defending themselves. It, you know, it's all uh, sort of justified, but I've just felt myself feeling sorry for the Anubis. Yeah, no, yeah, they don't know. They're just, uh, it's another day at the office and they're hungry, you know? Yeah, exactly. Go eat a Jedi. Yeah, is what they're told. <laughs> uh, it, the This is a minor thing, but because Echo and is important in earlier episodes. He ends up being very important in future episodes. I wouldn't have minded just a couple moments with Echo earlier to kind of really remind us uh, who he is and to heighten the tragedy of his apparent death a little bit. Uh, You know, I'll I'll, I'll second that and agree with that in in the sense of which might have fed into some of my earlier, uh, you know, wait, 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 Echo, you know, again, I'm very aware of Echo and Fives and all that stuff, but just... Uh, I do agree with you. It it, it, uh, it maybe has more impact now because we got the whole picture. But hey, yeah, you know exactly. A minor criticism for this great arc. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on? Uh, no, sir. Full uh, okay. Full robust discussion. About <laughs> Final thing for me is uh, I made a joke uh, uh, up top about uh, uh, O.C. Sobek uh, sounding like Christopher Walken with a throat injury. Uh, the actual truth. I looked up. Uh, James Arnold Taylor did many voices for the Clone Wars as, as well as, you know, Obi-Wan, Plo Koon uh, asked to uh, come up with new ideas for a lot of different characters. And uh, what he said is he combined uh, Christopher Walken with Al Pacino. And it is a really unique, interesting voice. So just wanted to uh, shout out that I think that is a great and unique and fun voice uh, yeah. for O.C. Sobek. I like it. All right, Ken, we always wrap up by talking about toys. If you could have a toy or really any kind of merch uh, inspired by this episode, who or what do you want? I think we need a three and three quarters collection of everyone in the carbon freezer uh, uh, scene. Like just you just you just get those. You get all the, the clones, Anakin, Obi-Wan in uh, in uh, the carbonite. You just get a, yeah, you get a, I think you can get like the carbonite uh, Han Solo uh, ice cubes. I yeah. need an Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, <laughs> Yes, in carbonite ice cube. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think this is a, this is kind of a joke one. I don't actually want want it, but picturing it makes me laugh. Uh, you know how there'll be those kind of just statues that are like a posed, like heroic moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love like the, a statue that's this posed heroic moment where uh, O.C. Sobek is holding Tarkin up and Ahsoka's blade is just <laughs> straight through his heart. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's a bookend. Yeah, yeah, something that should be in the center of like a college's quad. You know, yeah, exactly, like a big statue just celebrating this one episode of the Clone Wars. (laughs) Excellent. I'm sure that will be available on ThinkGeek.com very soon. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Next up is the final arc of season three. It is episode 21, Padawan Lost, and episode 22, Wookiee Hunt, where we'll get to dive into Anakin's attachment to Ahsoka even more. I can't wait to discuss that one with you next week, Ken. Uh, For now, what do you think the moral of this episode of our podcast should be? When stuck in the depths of your recording process, just find the best way to move forward. 
<laughs> Adaptation is very, very important indeed. Do you want to let people know where they can find us? Absolutely. We are the Force Center Podcast. We're on Twitter, Force Center uh, Pod. Uh, we are on Instagram and YouTube as well. Not as active there, we understand, but we're there. You can find us. And we're also on Facebook at Force Center Podcast. Uh, you can get merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can get an audiobook on us by going to audibletrial.com slash Force Center. And uh, we can be found on a lot of different spots. There's a lot of places to choose to listen to your podcast. Try Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, and a whole lot more. And finally, you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Center. Support there uh, at any level gets you into our Discord, where every day we have a fun discussion with a great community of fans so check it out at patreon.com slash force you can follow me at catnapsack or catnapsack.com next upcoming if you're listening at the time of this release of this episode october 7th 2021 just in case you're listening three years from now uh, i am doing comedy in new york city at the new york comedy club with mark ellis jen sturger and others go to my website catnapsack.com for a ticket link joseph yeah, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok as at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can check out all my other comedy adventures on my website, josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, for myself, for R2-D2's three brave reprogrammed battle droids, this has been the Clone Wars Report. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.